Well, um, question is, uh, have you been learning anything new lately, uh, this summer? Um, you know, school's not in session yet for, for most of the uh, area schools around our region, but the truth is we're always learning, right? We don't take a break uh, from learning, and we're learning all of the time. Uh, what have you been learning? I learned something interesting just a couple of weeks ago when it was brought to my attention that we had a pool of water at the back end of this uh, sanctuary room. I was alerted to that, and there was just this pool of water uh, on the carpet in this brand new room. I was not very happy about that. I had no idea where it was coming from. And uh, it took two weeks, uh, I think, to identify it, where this past week we finally opened up the wall and found out that there was a drain hose from their air conditioning units um, that were pre-existing, and they kind of just got closed off without ever getting rerouted to the outdoors. So for the past year, that's been leaking at the back of our sanctuary, and we didn't know about it. And... Uh, Learned that, and that was good information uh, to learn about. And, and, and this morning, um, we're going to learn about contentment uh, and how to keep contentment from, from leaking out of our lives as we go through uh, the highs and the lows that we all go through. So this morning, we're, we're wrapping up this summer-long series that we've been in in the book of Philippians. Uh, the series is called Side by Side, and I hope it's been a good time if you've been here throughout the summer and you've uh, been able to, to be a part of it. I hope you've learned some, some practical things, some take-homes, and, and I also want to say a big thank you to uh, our summer preaching team, uh, the guys that I had helping me out. Yeah, I'll give them a hand. Eric and Daniel and Felix. Um, man, it's been great hearing from these guys. I love seeing guys up here and and partnering with them, and so it's just been a blast. And anyway, this letter of Philippians, it ends with Paul the Apostle talking about this lesson that he learned. He learned this lesson on the inside of a prison cell, and it was there where he understood how to be content in the moment, in, in the right now, uh, regardless of how good, bad, or ugly that right now looks like. Uh, that's what he learned. Paul learned, and, and, and he shares it with us so that we'd be able to learn it as well, that, that contentment doesn't have to be contingent on the situation and the circumstances that we're in. And, and that's really good news for us because the reality is our situations are shifting all the time, right? You wake up one day and things are good. The next day, things are bad. Um, every day, there's something different. And, and the conventional assumption, the, the conventional way to, to, to do contentment is to chase the right situation, right? Chase happiness. Or the way it's said is, whatever works for you, right? Whatever situation it is that's there, that seems better than the one you're in, go to that one. Because that's what life is about. It's, it's something that's outside of you, but the problem is that that place doesn't exist. And maybe you know that if you've tried that, you get there and you find out this is not what I thought it was going to be. Problems are everywhere. 
And the biggest problem is usually the one that we just can't seem to get away from ourselves, right? And oftentimes we're a part of the problem as well. And so here in this ancient book, this letter of Philippians, we're going to find and maybe discover that there is a kind of contentment that can be accessed in every situation, a, a contentment that comes from being connected to Jesus Christ, not just being in the right circumstance, but, but drawing strength from a steadfast Savior who is always with us and who is never changing. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Philippians chapter 4. And I'm just going to read through this passage, uh, starting in verse 10. It's right behind me on the screen here, so you can read along as well. It says this, Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And yet, it was kind of you to share in my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So contentment is, uh, is the lesson that... Paul learned that he's talking about and sharing with us. And so let's start by just defining this term. When we throw this word out, contentment, what exactly are we talking about? What does it actually mean uh, to be content? And, and maybe it's easy to start with the opposite of contentment, discontentment. We have a pretty good idea of what that looks like, right? When, when we're complaining and, and grumbling and bickering and such, when we have that, that, that agitated attitude because we're not happy about the situation we're in or something that's going on in, in, in our lives. Uh, so, so if that's discontentment, then maybe the question is, is contentment about being happy about what's happening in my life. Is that what contentment is? Is it, is it does it mean liking the circumstance that I'm in? Uh, no, not exactly. That's, that's definitely not what Paul is talking about it, that he's learned about. The, the, the Greek word for contentment, it, it describes an inward attitude. It's, it's, it means an inward adequacy, a sense of being sufficient within. Um, so, so let me just start by clarifying three things to not confuse contentment with so we don't get off track. The first is that contentment is not indifference. Uh, it's not about unplugging our emotions from our experiences and the situation we're in. And so Paul's not talking about some kind of like, you know, stoic indifference, like, 
I can handle this and just put on a really strong face, right? This callousness to our circumstances so it doesn't even register uh, in our consciousness. Maybe you've seen those guys, those guys who like sleep on beds of nails, right? And they walk through like coals of fire and they do it because they figured out some kind of mind trick to suppress the pain that they're feeling. Just to be sure, so you're not confused, that's not contentment. That's, that's not what Paul is talking about. And, and second of all, contentment is also, it's different from, from happiness. So contentment, just to clarify, it doesn't mean that we paint on a smiley face, even though inside we're not feeling so smiley, right? That is, that is not what contentment is about. Um, I kind of get the feeling Paul wasn't smiling when he was in a prison cell. He wasn't happy, but he was content. And a lot of times our lives are like that, right? The situation that we're in oftentimes, it's just, it's not where we want to be. It's not good. And, and it's okay to not be happy about that. Um, last time I checked, no one likes getting laid off from a job, right? Uh, no one likes seeing a loved one pass. No one who gets diagnosed with a life-threatening illness is, is smiling about that. So, so we don't want to confuse contentment with, with happiness. And, and one final thing is contentment is not complacency. And so it's not just about, well, this is just the way things are. Let me just settle in, uh, redial my expectations, and, and just shoot for second best. Paul was not that guy. Paul didn't have an ounce of Eeyore blood in him. Remember Eeyore the donkey from Winnie the Pooh? And he's like, well, I guess that's just the way it's going to be. That, that's not Paul. That's, that's not what he's talking about here with contentment. Remember, it was a chapter ago, right? He's talking about pressing on and, and pushing forward. Uh, so contentment doesn't mean just being just complacent. Uh, I, I came across a definition several years ago by a guy whose name is Howard Vanderwall, and he actually preached on this passage in the middle of battling cancer. And he described contentment as this, living with the confidence that you have everything you need for the situation you're in. I love that. Let me say that again. Contentment is about having that sense of confidence that you have everything you need for the situation you're in. And that kind of aligns, I think, with, with, with what Paul is describing here in this passage about his own life because he's, he, he's looking back on different moments in the course of his life and he says, there's been moments when I've been in need and there's been other moments when I've had an abundance, I've had more than enough. He, he talks about these times when he's, he's had extras on the table after dinner's over, let's put the leftovers in the fridge. There's other times he's, I went to bed hungry. And he never says, you know, I learned to be happy about going to bed hungry. That, that's not what he says. He says, I've learned to be content. I, I expect he would have given anything to get out of prison, to get back to preaching the gospel again. But, but through that hard season, he learned something. He learned that his Savior was sufficient. In Christ, he found that he had access to everything he needed to walk through whatever his right now reality looked like.
And the hope is that for you and for me that we would discover that same thing as we walk through the highs and the lows of our own lives because we can't get away from them. But we do have a Savior who is sufficient in them. And here's what I love most about this passage, I think, if you noticed it, is that Paul says very clearly, I think he says it three times, that contentment is something I learned, right? I've learned to be content. He repeats it again and again. And that means he didn't start out that way, right? He learned it probably after long seasons of discontentment, right? So Maybe this is hard for you to picture in your brain, but it's very possible that he spent months in prison agitated, frustrated, aggravated, but eventually he got it. Eventually he learned it. And I don't know about you, but I personally find great hope in that because if he learned it, that means I can learn it too. That means we can all learn to be content Um, It means that if contentment tends not to be your natural inclination, anybody here, just me, right? I don't dial in on contentment automatically, but, but that's okay because it's not just like some kind of supernatural gift that either you have it or you don't. It's about staying teachable so we can grow and cultivate confidence in Christ, to learn, to lean on the Lord and find out and discover that in him we have everything we need for every situation we find ourselves in. So let's learn. Let's learn together. The classroom for learning, for Paul it was a prison cell. For you and for me, it's very likely that it's going to be the struggle that you find yourself in. The situation that's causing agitation and discontentment. And and it's learning to shift focus from our circumstances to our Savior. And there's two realities in this passage that Paul learned um, that he shares with us. Two powerful verses. Uh, The first one is in verse 13. He says this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Love that verse. That has to be one of the most quoted verses in our day. I can't tell you, you know, we watch a lot of baseball and I look at, you know, sometimes they show the close-ups of the, of the baseball gloves and you see Philippians 4.13 right there on the gloves so often inscribed there. And I love that because this is one of the most empowering realities that I find in Scripture. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I love how comprehensive it is, right? All things. That's what qualifies for this promise. That kind of covers all the bases, right? The the best moments to the worst, the highs and the lows, no matter what the situation, there is this rock-solid confidence that I'm up to it. I'm up to the challenge, and I am able to meet it because I've got what it takes, And if we were to just stop this verse and put a period of after, I can do all things, period, right? We would basically have the the mantra of today's modern autonomous self. I can do all things. Or we say it today, I got this, I'm good. Or as the song goes, something like, "Ah, 
I've got the eye of the tiger. I'm a champion. I'm, I'm louder. You're going to hear me roar. You know that one? Um, assumption is uh, you can do anything, right? The only thing you need is to believe in yourself. And so here's what we do in our world today. We just dump on, we pour on the hype. We pour on the platitudes. We pour on all of the positive self-talk. And maybe you've figured this out already. If you haven't, you will. It only takes you so far. All the hype, all the cheerleading, it's just not enough. And I'm so thankful that the verse doesn't just stop with me. I can do all things. I can do all things how? Through him who strengthens me. That's the key. Of course, that, that he is a reference to Jesus Christ. Jesus was the power source of Paul's life. And, and Paul learned there in this prison cell that Jesus was not far off and removed. He was present. He was right there with him. He was seeing him through moment by moment. And, and as he learned to plug his life into that power source, he found the exact amount of sustaining strength that he needed coming through and getting downloaded into his life. And he says, that same Jesus that was with me there in prison, he's with you and with me today. He's not far off. He's not distant and removed. That same Jesus is the power source for us to plug our lives into. And rest assured, all the strength you will ever need for every situation you will ever find yourself can be accessed through him. We can't do all things on our own, but thank God we can do all things through him who strengthens us. And I hope you've seen this in action. I hope you've seen this at those moments in your own life where just things are, you just feel like you're at the end of your strength. You've got nothing left and your situation is still there and you've got to figure out a way to take the next step and you take it in Christ. And you see him providing what you need. I've, I've seen this oftentimes as I've watched dear brothers and sisters who are walking through these like tragic situations, these situations that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, but that's where they're at. And they're, they're just sustained with this strength and this grace that you, can't, you just look at it and say, that's, that's supernatural. And they know it's supernatural. And a lot of times... We watch that happening, and what, here's what we say. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they're getting through this. I could never do what they're doing. And you're right, because you're not in their situation. You don't have to. You see, the Lord provides the strength we need for the moment that we're in. He doesn't provide us with the strength that we need for someone else's moment. Whatever moment you're in right now, he is there to plug into and find that the strength is there from him to draw from. And, and maybe it's at least possible, at least a possibility that there are areas in our lives, there is something where we are trying to do it on our own strength. 
Or, or maybe we are trying to get through it with the strength of uh, substances and addictions and distractions. That's, that's the strength that we are relying on to get us through, and it, and it turns us into like shadows of ourselves. And you say, there's no contentment in that. It's just frustration and aggravation and misery. And let me just suggest that, could it be that God is using that specific situation to say, hey, I want, to, I want to teach you something. I want you to learn. I want you to grow in reliance on me and find in me the power and the strength that you need for the situation you're in. That's, that's contentment. It, it, it comes when we start relying on his power, when we plug into his power. And the second thing is when we also learn to depend on his supply. Um, the second Huge verse here, this promise uh, that Paul throws out, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. This happens, Paul, first he thanks this Philippian church because they had just given him this incredibly generous gift to him during his imprisonment. And then he goes on and he talks about, you know, we've got this special relationship. I love you guys. You have given such generous gifts to us. And then he throws this huge promise out to them. My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches. I want to ask you, is that a promise that you've grabbed hold of and applied to your own life? Do you have that rock-solid confidence that God will supply every need of yours for every situation you're in according to his riches and glory? Because here's the reality. We're simply going to be unable to find contentment as long as we're stressing out about how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to meet my daily needs? How am I going to take care of all of these concerns? And so contentment in this way, it's a, it's a consequence. It's an outcome of depending on God's supply instead of our own. And he is able to meet the needs that we have. The Lord longs to show his people how able he is to give us what we need. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. He doesn't always give us all that we want, but he does give us all that we need. That means our Savior is sufficient. And the good news is the same as before. We are not on our own. We all have needs, right? We have needs in many, many areas, not just financial needs. We have health needs. We have relational needs. We have emotional needs. And, and this is the ultimate insurance policy that's handed to the believer. This is the ultimate answer to all of the what ifs that come creeping into our mind that haunt our lives. My God will supply all of your needs. Rest assured. And the question for us becomes this, are are we willing to just take that step of faith and trust him and see in real time how he provides, and just how much he is able to do. I I checked my my Facebook memory page this morning, 
it came up, you know, or they just kind of log all of the things that you've been putting in there over the past however many years. And 10 years ago today, uh, in 2012, I wrote this. Uh, this was before we had any buildings. We were still meeting in the high school. And I said, uh, I wrote this. This has been a year in the making. I just set up a meeting to start drawing up contracts for a $1 million piece of property that a local businessman plans to donate to Lakeview Community Church. Looks like this is going to happen. Praise God. Prayers appreciated. That's just, just a snapshot of how ridiculous God is in being able to provide what we need in ways that are just uh, things that we don't even think about. Um, Rick Warren writes about this verse in particular, that there's a particular important distinction about this promise. He says that it's made on a premise. The premise of the promise is giving. And so this is written to those Philippians who had been sacrificially and generously responding to Paul's need, right? They, they, they brought this gift to him. And it's in that context that he says this to them. So, so to extend that to today, it means that if we are faithful in that area of giving, that we have every right to ask and to assume that God is going to meet our needs. In other words, if you meet the, prom- the premise, then you can count on the promise. And then the question is, what's after that, what's left to worry about? What's left to just really stress out about nothing because God assumes the responsibility for meeting his children's needs. When we get that, contentment starts flooding into our lives, flooding into our souls. And that supply, it says, this is just another really cool thing about this verse, it says, according to his glorious riches, in Jesus Christ. And so the idea is that God gives out of the abundance that he has. And Paul says, understand this for sure. His bank account is not going to run out. It doesn't go bankrupt. My God will meet all of your needs according to his riches. Not out of his riches, but according to his riches. And there is a difference. Uh, so think for, imagine just for a second, if, if Elon Musk... Is he the wealthiest guy in the world? Maybe. I'm not sure what the statistics lately are. But if he handed you a check for $1,000 and said, here, this is my gift for you, that would be giving out of his riches. He's got a lot of money. He's giving you some of it. But if he handed you a blank check and said, this is signed by me, whatever you need, you fill it in for what, you'd, for what you need, that would be him giving according to his riches. And, and, you know, we, we aren't that health and wealth church that's always kind of, you know, trusting God for promises he never made. Uh, so we're not going in that direction. But we also don't want to go too far to the other side and forget that there is this factor here, that this is actually what this passage is all about. My God will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Whatever that need is, God has handed the faithful believer a blank check with the name of Jesus Christ written on it, and it's there in our hands, and the check never bounces. The question is, how does God do this? 
How, how does this whole thing work? Does, does God just mysteriously drop money from heaven? Right? Does he give us our resources just from heaven? There, there's a number of different ways that he does it. And Paul's experience that he's writing from is that, man, I had some needs and God provided. And he provided through you Philippians, through his friends, through the body of Christ. What a, what a beautiful thing that we can be the means through which God supplies the needs of others. We get the chance to participate in what he's doing, and there's, and there's joy in that. And so on the other side of just taking these steps of faith, these steps of trusting God in the situation that we're in, for the strength we need, we need for the supply that, that we need, you know what we do? What happens on the other end of that? We start building up a track record of trust. I've trusted God. I've taken that small step. I've seen him provide. And that one small step leads to the next slightly larger step and the next step. And this was, this was the last thought that Paul wanted to leave in this letter he wrote to his friends in Philippi. Learn contentment. It's not going to be a natural thing but learn it by leaning on the Lord. You know, there are times when it's not until Jesus is all that we have that we find out that Jesus is all that we need. But know this, he's good. He is good. And, and we encounter in real time the goodness of God as we take those steps of faith, drawing strength from him, relying on his supply, seeing him show up in real time, and contentment, confidence that whatever situation I am in, I'm good for it. I am up to it because my Savior is with me. Now, I don't think that we just, this isn't one of those lesson, this, those one-day classroom lessons that, okay, you learned it, you got it, what's next, right? I think, I think we get to learn contentment in every new situation, right? We start, we struggle with it, and then eventually we learn that there's always new opportunities to grow in contentment, to experience him and to take steps forward in faith.